Welcome to Lockdown Legacy, stories from the inside out, and I'm your host, Ruby Jones. And I am co-host, Debbie Jones. We are a husband and wife team uh, here to bring you the real-life stories, experiences, and questions answered from around the criminal justice system. Um, we do advise discretion with this podcast. I think we should put that out there. First yes. and foremost, we are going to talk about experiences that happen in prison systems, outside of prison systems. We are going to use language that might be offensive, um, but we intend to keep it real. And so if that's not for you, we understand, but please do what's best for your listening ears. Yes, we about to keep it real, son. <laughs> All right, our goal here with this podcast is to share the inside realities of the American prison and criminal justice system from pre-charges all the way to post-release from the voices of people who experienced it firsthand. That's right. Let's get into it. Back to episode five. Woohoo! Yeah, we're doing it, baby. (laughs) Um, We're excited to be back here uh, for part two of our last episode, Just Passing Time. Uh, This episode, we wanted to focus more on the economy in prison. Follow the money and see where it goes. <laughs> right. Um, so many people in the world know the importance of having a budget to survive and prioritizing your needs over your wants is pretty standard. But sometimes you find that there's just not enough money in the budget to make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, especially in this economy, you know, cost of everything is rising. And so everybody's trying to find a way to put more money into the budget, whether it's by working more, finding a new job, or having a side hustle. Exactly. And that's not something that is exclusive to out here, right? Mm, You can do that on the inside too. Um, So one of the interesting things that uh, I don't know if it's common knowledge or not, is that um, in prison, in a lot of states, you get what's called state pay, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you work a prison job and the state pays you for it. Mm-hmm. But it's not that part that's important. It's the how much do you get paid that's important. Right. Um, so in some states, you don't get anything, while in others, like Ohio, I believe um, when I got out of prison, the state state pay at the time was $18 a month. Yeah, a month. A month, yeah. So, I mean, if you broke that down into, like, an hourly wage, we're talking pennies, like 25 cents an hour or something crazy. Right. Right. So, um, last episode, we touched on hustles being a way that people on the inside pass time, but it's also pretty obvious that they are directly linked with your level of comfort and even survival on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while items in prison on commissary are a lot of times deeply con- uh, deeply discounted, yeah, uh, inmates still often find themselves having to forego necessities to indulge in simple pleasures. And so I have a, a, an example here, which is, you know, like I said, state pay is $18. So if an inmate has no other support from the outside and does not have a hustle, which we're gonna focus on in this episode, um, then they have to rely solely on that $18 to budget for the month. And so let's say we're going into wintertime, if they wanted to buy a pair of thermal pants to make the wintertime a lot more bearable, 
but they also wanted to like make a phone call to a loved one, which is typically about five dollars. Um, and the cost of the pants is ten fifty. Then you know you still have your necessities that you need to buy, your hygiene, you know whatever. So you're already at your limit for your budget right. for the month. Yep. We're not talking about weekly grocery shopping. We're talking about for the month. So it's pretty hard, man. And then there's also medical. Like, they charge a, a pretty much like a copay for medical. And so if you don't feel like it's an emergency, <laughs> you're not going for preventative care, you know? Right. Especially when a lot of times they're going to tell you, eh, you're all right, just buy something off commissary. You know, a stool softener, uh, aspirin, ibuprofen, whatever. Yep. So not only are you going to waste your copay, but then you're also going to have to buy it yourself anyway. So, Yeah, I think there's this, this uh, general misconception that if you go to jail or go to prison, everything is free to you. Like, I think we hear that all the time. Oh, they're just going to go in there and get three meals, three free meals a day. And that's, that's absolutely not how it works. Everything has a cost associated with it. And I want to be really clear before we jump in. We're not here to argue whether or not people do or do not deserve money in prison. Uh, I think some folks would be like, you know, $18 is more than they deserve. And we're not here to argue that. It's absolutely not what anybody deserves and um incarcerated folks do labor that benefits us here who are on the outside so we haven't even talked about like the linkages to the department of transportation or other government entities that solely profit off of things that um individuals who are incarcerated make as part of labor and so it's like having a real job but you're getting paid pennies an hour to do it and so so we're not here to argue whether or not they do or do not deserve money we will adamantly stand on the fact that incarcerated people do deserve fair wages especially since everything has a cost so yeah right. just that we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna have that debate i guess i wanted to say that out. Yeah. And, and and of course like there's the people who are still gonna try to argue you know and i don't think everybody knows a lot of the benefits that us out here in society get from inmates on the inside. Right. So um, there are industries like DOT, mm-hmm. inmates pick up trash on the side of the highway, um, make license plates, make trash bags. Make, make signs, make like make the signs. school zone signs and stuff yep. like that are produced in prisons. Yeah, they build furniture. They, I mean, there's tons of stuff that are overlooked in right. society and it's, produced by inmates. Yeah, it's like free labor. You don't really get paid for it. Yeah. Um, another term for that is modern day slavery. I was going to say this. We're going to go ahead and turn the corner in the opposite <laughs> direction, right? Yeah, let's talk about the economy. We, you and I can have that uh, soapbox, I think, for a long time. But I did want to say that before we got too far in. I think it's important to preface that we're talking about how people use the money that they're afforded to them. We will not argue whether it's deserved or not deserved. Right. Um, not only about the way people use the money that is given through, like, state pay, um, but the hustle, right? Mm-hmm. So hustle, a lot of term, a lot of times, has a, a bad stigma attached to it. Like, hustling is what got you in prison. But hustling, for a lot of people, is just trying to survive or, you know, trying to make ends meet. 
Well, yeah, because everything has a cost. If you want a stamp to mail a letter, that, of course, has a cost. We know that in mailing things <laughs> on the outside. Stamps still cost money inside. Yep. You want to make a phone call, it has a cost associated with it. If you need deodorant, that costs food costs, clothing cloth costs. Yeah, yeah. So um, about the phone calls, um, when I first went to prison back in 2008, um, to make a phone call to my dad, who was which was out of state, cost about $18, which is my whole... Well, actually, I think it was about $16. But um, still, that's like a whole state pay mm-hmm. for the month to call my dad. Uh, One luckily, time. yeah, one 15-minute call. Now, luckily, I actually had some money, so, you know, it wasn't, like, super bad. But for everybody who doesn't know, I'm a cheap SOB. <laughs> <laughs> and so even having money, it was like, I'm not making this call more than once every three months. <laughs> um, but um, a lot of inmates came together to file a lawsuit against the phone company that because it's basically a monopoly uh, the companies that supply prisons yeah um, they sign like non-compete clauses and stuff so uh, I see it's only one company for the whole state so that means they can charge whatever they want to they charge whatever they want yeah. so the inmates filed a, a lawsuit and so the prices have gotten better you know they, they got a heck of a lot better I think like right now, it's like a dollar fifty to make a local call, and I think it's only like maybe two for a long distance. So. And has it changed anything time limit wise? Because I know like calling back is who wants yeah. to just be on and off the phone fifteen minutes with the person that they love, but if you can't afford to call back, like fifteen minutes is right, all you right. get. So uh, did that lawsuit change anything with um, time? So not that lawsuit. Okay. But I do know that re- uh, recently, this is. After I got out, um, phone calls went from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. That's, that's better. You know, a, a big part of that 15-minute phone call used to be a recording also right. that would chime in in the middle of your call saying that it was monitored and recorded and it was provided by such and such company. So even in your 15-minute phone call, maybe three minutes was ate up in recordings. So it's like <laughs> your 30-minute sitcom with 10 minutes of it being commercials. Yeah. 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 I actually have a TV show that I watch right now. It's <laughs> like that. So that's, that's where that comes from. Uh, we mentioned um, cost of medical. Mm-hmm. So I remember times where because um, of my money situation, I would refuse to go to medical for certain situations. Mm-hmm. I actually broke my nose in prison playing basketball. Ugh. And I'm talking about, like, my nose is still crooked to this day. But if you go to medical, first, there's a lot of resistance. They don't want to treat you. They'll do anything in their power not to. Um, but then also, like, you have to pay for it. It's a small fee. I mean, it's 2 $3 just to be seen, you know. But if you're going to charge me 2 or $3 and then not do anything for me? <laughs> Out of my $18 a month, like, why would I go? Why would I bother? Especially yeah. if you're going to tell me, oh, just take some medication that you can buy on commissary. Like, I could have done that myself. But the downside is commissary might not be for another three or four days. 
Yeah, it comes on a rotation. That's not, I totally forgot that. Yeah, you're only allowed to go to commissary once a week. Um, it's usually the same day, but it could float. It's but not like a general store that's just always open between the hours of 10 and 6 or anything. It's just right. like a, a pop-up boutique. <laughs> trying to make Definitely it grandiose. A, a pop-up boutique. Is that... Uh, and commissary is nothing like extravagant, man. It's really just like a room, and there's a little carousel you go through, and then you come up to the, like this plexiglass window or it might be bars or whatever, and you tell them your order, and like inmates that work inside there put it all in a little box or a sh- little hand shopping cart or whatever, and they put it on the counter, and you pay off of your account. So you give them your inmate number and it's deducted from whatever you have on your account so it's definitely not a pleasant uh process but the point being is you know you have to keep track of your money meticulously Mm -hmm. or you'll find that you never have any (laughs) it's it's never enough and um it's even worse for people who have like other things like official things that are taken out of their money on a monthly basis right yeah part of obviously going to court is there are fines associated with that there is often um, child support payments or even reparations which is something we haven't really talked about from a victim perspective but um, if there are a costs associated or awarded to whomever the victim is whether that's an organization or a person or whatever um, reparations are also taken out of that and so if $18 a month is what you get $18 a month is what's going to be I don't want to say taxed, but it's going to be deducted um, to kind of account for those things until you pay back whatever those court fines are, pay back um, that monthly child support until that child is 18. It's, you know, similar to being on the outside. Like, you don't get away from child support if you owe it, you owe it. And so if you have back child support, they're going to account for that in there. Like, it it all is funneled into this cost. So um, $18 goes really quickly if six of it, ten of it has to be taken out. Um, to account for any of these other fines. Yeah, and that's that's not an overstatement. Um, I think the rule was that, like, court costs can't take up more than half of your state pay. Right. So we're talking about, bam, there's $9 gone. Yep. And then you have child support, so that might be, like, $6. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like very little amounts of money, but then how much is a tube of toothpaste? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think about that you from, know? you know from the other side of having the child, right? And so if I'm owed child support, again, if the person (laughs) that owes me that money is doing labor, but they're not being paid for that labor, an adequate wage, I'm not getting an adequate amount of money to then take care of that child. So it's got this ripple effect that I don't think that we think about, is that not only is $18 not uh, an amount of money that's going to help um, the, the incarcerated person, but it's also not going to help the loved ones or the the victims or the whomever um, if there isn't an adequate amount there to send that way. I don't know what $6 buys a child, I'll be really honest, because Happy Meals are like $7. (laughs) So um, (laughs) it's really, I don't mean that frivolously or to laugh at that. Like, it's just, that's not going to, that's not going to help anybody. I mean, so once again, it, it sounds like, that's more of a punitive thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's punishment rather than rehabilitation, once again. Right. Um, I'm already in a tight spot. 
and it's just one more thing that's hammering down on me. I mean, a lot of the court costs and fines that inmates have to pay stem from not having the money in the first place, like having (laughs) a court-appointed lawyer or, you know, recovering damages for crimes, you know, stuff like that. Right. So by not having the money to pay a lawyer, oh, don't worry, we'll provide you one, but you'll pay us back during the worst time of your life where you don't have the money. Let me hit you while you're down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let me me continue to hit you while you're down. Yeah. And And not help you up, even if I have the ability to. Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. You got court costs, you got fines, you got child support, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Then there's this tricky thing that's been on the books for a lot of places. They're trying to pass it. Some people are not. Um, Places like California are notorious for it, Um, and that's called pay to stay. Okay. Right? So not only are you imprisoned and you still have to pay court costs, fines, everything else, but then there's this big class disparity because if you have money, you get to pay a little extra to go somewhere a little more comfortable, a little more safe. And if you don't have money, then, one, we're going to tax your state pay, but then we're going to throw you in, like, the most deplorable conditions ever. <laughs> so pay to stay is a big controversial issue, and it's... It's kind of frustrating some of the responses you get when it's time to vote on issues like this because you hear a lot of people say stuff like, if you couldn't do the time, you shouldn't have done the crime and stuff like that. Yeah. But as an inmate myself and being able to step back and see the bigger picture, there's plenty of times where I just found myself angry and I wish that, you know, you see stuff like scare straight. They Mm -hmm. walk you through the prison. That stuff's staged. You know, they only take you through, like, the best parts so that you don't really see what goes on in there. But also, I wish that, like, judges and prosecutors and, you know, people in society that can make a difference got a chance to just get, like, a real candid picture. Like, walk into the prisons that you're getting ready to send these people to. Yeah. Um, Because I remember being 19, first going into prison, and, you know, I could handle my own. But I also saw people that were in the same prison as me, a level three prison, mm-hmm. um, that I knew just shouldn't be there. Like, they were going to get ate alive. Right. <laughs> you know? And the judge had no clue what they were sending them to. They were just like, ah, yeah, you know, you got in a fight. That's a violent crime. We're going to send you to this prison. Or, like, the circumstances was like, I was fighting to protect my sister. You know, whatever. And now you're in here with, like, killers. <laughs> But that's a big digression. The point is that in a situation like that, if I found myself to be a more affluent person, I could pay to get to a better prison. Right, regardless of the crime that landed you there, right? But if I don't have any money and I had a petty theft crime, right, like I stole a $20 pizza, that's a real crime. I didn't make that up. That that was a real thing that happened. Um, And landed myself in prison for that. If I don't have any money, which is probably why I stole a pizza in the first place, I can't pay for better accommodations. But people with worse crimes, more offenses, larger victim statuses um, can pay for that. That's a really, that's an interesting issue. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that pay to stay by itself, I mean, 
we could talk forever on that subject. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm so sitting back because I'm like, levels. hmm, I, I have lots of considerations from a lot of different perspectives, but, yeah, it blew my mind a little bit. But, I mean, and it kind of, like, that issue right there alone turns the idea of prison into a for-profit institution, right? Oh, yeah. I would love to do a thing on private prisons <laughs> later. You know, that's my jam, so. At every corner. <laughs> there's another subject we could just dive into, right? But food also costs money to, you know, food bring also that. Costs like, money. it's not, again, going back to this idea that you just get three, three free meals a day. Sure, there's food that is provided or required to be provided, but it's Ooh. terrible. It's horrible. I'm going to, um, so in the show notes, man, I'm going to post, like, a picture of a prison tray of food. Yeah. And... Uh, probably also put a link to like a, an example of a commissary sheet so you can get an idea of the prices and stuff like that and what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, I was real fortunate that I had money and I had uh, a few people in my corner that helped me out. But the there was a time when I just got so disgusted by the food in there mm-hmm. that was offered through the chow hall that I just... For probably about six years, I did not go to the chow hall for anything, mm-hmm. except for breakfast, which was like cereal and a muffin. <laughs> but other than that, it was like, you couldn't get me to walk in there, man. The food stinks. It'll like cling to your clothes. Like, it's it's horrible, man. Well, and people make it, right? And yeah. so people sometimes are not hygienic in their practice. And- right, right. I mean, but also the people that make it, they weren't like... They didn't choose a lot of times to go work sure. there. So you got people that are just like, they're there because they have to be. They're under guard, and they're like, whatever, man. Pour this and that and mix it up, great. <laughs> you know? Right. And you could tell when you got somebody in there that actually wanted to be in there because the quality of food increased. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So to purchase anything that's outside of the chow hall, again, costs cost money has a cost associated with it otherwise you're eating whatever it is they're serving so having options i guess costs money yeah yeah and when i first went to prison man i just blew my money i didn't have a budget i didn't know how to live with a budget and i would cook food because i was like man that stuff's in the chow hall is disgusting i would make these big meals that cost i mean kind of the equivalent about here I, w- I would make a meal that costs 20 bucks mm-hmm. and I wouldn't eat it all I'm giving it to somebody you know and I do that every day 20 bucks a day that goes quick yeah so the end of my first year I went from having some good money on my account <laughs> to like you know every time you get a receipt from the commissary they put like your in balance on there I never paid attention to it and then one day I was like Oh, hey, what's this number right here, bro? <laughs> oh, that's how much money you got left. Like, holy shit. I got to slow down. I got I to gotta figure something out, man. Because I was spending hundreds of dollars a month on the phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, every call is 5 bucks to 16 bucks. So, you know, hey, I want to call, and I love you guys, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, the phone call cut off at the most inopportune time. I'm going to call right back. Well, now it's like, you know, I call, made four calls in a day, mm-hmm. you know, that's 20 bucks. Right. Then I ate a meal for the day. That's 20 bucks. 
you know, and then, you know, I, don't know, I wrote a couple letters, you know, I spent three, four dollars in stamps. And it's like, this is my daily expenses, you know? Yeah. So while some inmates have $18 a month, I'm over here spending, you know, $150 a week. <laughs> and I was like, yo. <laughs> and I definitely learned the art of budgeting real quick, man. And also that I needed desperately to get a hustle. I was going to just say, like, that's a good segue into hustle culture and how it is that you find extra money or make extra money when $18 isn't going to cut it. Right. Um, and there's no when $18 isn't going to cut it. Like, $18 just doesn't cut it. Fair. When we talk about hustles, it's not necessarily a negative thing. There are a lot of negative hustles in there, uh, but I'll, 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 I'll touch on that too. But for the most part, I want to talk about how people get super creative right. to solve their money issues. Yeah, because well, I think there are some negatives. For the most part, it's overwhelmingly positive, and it's really interesting how people problem solve, and I think that that's what we want to highlight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always maintain that I met some of the smartest, most innovative people I've ever met in my life inside of prison walls. So um, probably the most notorious hustle in prison is art, hmm. which is very interesting because in society, when you think of criminals, you don't necessarily think of artists. Right. <laughs> and this was something we touched on uh, in the first part of this episode and how creative uh, well, how art kind of becomes a part of life in terms of helping you pass time. But if you get good enough, people want to purchase what it is you're selling or yeah. what it is you're making. Yeah, yeah. So um, just to kind of touch on the subject of art, you know, we talked about mush faking mm-hmm. and what that is. Um, that's pretty lucrative once you really get good at it. I mean... I've seen some of those guys make a sculpture out of popsicle sticks, which maybe was $10 in supplies, mm-hmm. and sell it for 300 bucks. Right. Like, clocks, you know, all types of different stuff. Um, then there's, on a, on a smaller level, you know, people write poems, sell them around Valentine's Day. Uh, I myself started off in the art world drawing on envelopes hmm, so, for people to put their letters in yeah so you know you get a standard white envelope mm-hmm. and you you're trying to send a letter to your girlfriend boyfriend whoever you know your parents a special occasion birthday graduation whatever like i you know what are they into what is the occasion and i would draw something that was strictly for them custom i love that and those are the ones that cost a little more but at the same time you want to make some cheaper stuff, real simple design. It's Valentine's Day, trace a rose, shade it up, color it, whatever. And, you know, I might have 10 of those to sell one time. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's a one, like a unique one, and then there's a more generic, but still. Right. Thoughtful, because your family yes. doesn't know it's off of a, you know, print press, basically. <laughs> but uh, then I also had, like, like I said, the custom ones that were tailor-made for the person you were sending it to. Yeah, I love that. Um, after I did uh, envelopes, I graduated to uh, doing like T-shirts. You know, one of the categories that I had here for hustles is uh, selling opportunity or special access. Hmm. Um, and with 
special access, it's basically using your institutional job to get people extra stuff. So in my case, I found the guy who worked in the quartermaster and said, hey, man, I need extra T-shirts. You know, like, what can I pay you? Because you're only allowed to have a certain amount of T-shirts. Anything over that is contraband. So, like, can I give you, you know, 10 bucks a month to just feed me T-shirts, you know? Or can I pay you, you know, $2 a T-shirt? Interesting. You know? So, yeah, sure, $2 a T-shirt. Well, now I'm drawing and, you know, ink pen on T-shirts or on handkerchiefs or anything like that, uh, doing portraits and everything. Mm-hmm. So those, I didn't turn a $10 T-shirt and two ballpoint ink pens into 40 bucks. You know, because, hey, man, here you go, picture of you and your girlfriend on that visit. You know, that was great. And naturally, once you start drawing an ink pen, you get two tattoos. <laughs> and so I shot tattoos for a while. Um, I got pretty good at it to the point where, like, COs would kind of turn a blind eye. Mm-hmm. And some of them would even, like, want my services. Like, hey, man can you draw me a tattoo so I can go out here and get it in the streets? Prison is an economy. And so before they kind of put regulations on who could put money on your books, I had COs, like, writing checks or whatever, sending cash. (laughs) You know, because you used to be able to put cash in an envelope, and then they did away with that. It had to be a money order. So then, you know, so I would have COs just, like, use a family, friend's name, whatever, and just send send a uh, money order. Hmm. You know, but once again, uh, if the state can't get their cut, they're going to cut, <laughs> you know, chop the head off. Yeah. And so I was getting a lot of envelopes through the mail with $300, $400 stamps on it because I'm selling these service to, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and so that had to stop. And then, so let's see, um, services, services that it may sell, you know, once again, it's all about thinking outside the box. Right. So there's really no limit to what you can or can't do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I myself, some of the jobs that I did to make money was I worked in the law library. Everybody, I would say probably like 70% of the people in prison are trying to get out. Yeah. <laughs> They're not just sitting there waiting for their sentence to expire. Correct. What? Where's the loophole for an appeal? Or what is it that they missed in my case? Or how can I bring this back around so that I can argue something different? How do I get ready for a parole board? Yeah. Like, there's so many questions. Or even at the simplest level is uh, filing for judicial release, yep. for, for an early release. And once again, if you don't have money for a lawyer hey, come over here to me and I'm going to show you how to fill out this template and I'll type it up for you and then, you know, show you how to mail it off. Uh, I charge 50 cent a page for typing it up. Man. And, you know, it kind of sucks because you're dealing with people who don't really have a lot of money. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, yeah, you want to go home or not, bro? <laughs> and on the outside world, we would call that an independent consultant. Like it would be right, an right. LLC. So right, it's right, like... Right. <laughs> You know, and, These are and legitimate services. That's where I wasn't quite like a jailhouse lawyer, you know, because those are like they will do your whole case for you. I was just like, you know, I'll type it up. Paralegal. I'll, I'll, you know, check it to make sure there's no mistakes. You know, yeah, it was like a paralegal. Yeah. You know? um, and then so I guess that would be kind of like a 
prestigious job, mm-hmm. you know, or hustle. But there were people that would just clean your cell for you, you know. Like, there were people that would just cook your meals for you. Um, do your laundry, iron your clothes. You know, like, these are all examples of, like, legit hustles that could make you a lot of money if you just put your prizes out. Yeah, because I think as laundry people probably wouldn't think of or ironing but when people have visits right that's really important to look great for your loved one or if you haven't seen this person in a while it's you want to put on the best thing you have so having somebody who's able to launder your clothes or put in um things while ironing creases and those kinds of things that would be um really helpful so and at the very least is you won't get your clothes stolen Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the laundry service in prison is like you have this, this net bag and you put all your clothes in it and tie it and send it out to laundry. And hope it comes back? It never, like, it, it. it's not guaranteed to come back. Yeah. And it sounds stupid. It sounds really crazy. But, like, guys will steal your underwear. Like, oh, man, you got boxers? Oh, I got state-issued underwear. Let me take these. Wow. You know? Oh, you got like clothes that are different than ours, you know? Oh, you your your state pants, your uniform is in better shape than mine. Oh, this is my size. Let me take this. Hmm. It's nuts, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that your underwear have the <laughs> potential to come up missing, you know? <laughs> so you pay somebody to do your laundry. Mm-hmm. You basically pay for the security and the service. You can't afford not to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, unless your stuff's just like beat up or whatever, like you can't afford to not buy that service. Mm. Um, also, a service that I provided was I ran a store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know what that means. Tell me more. <laughs> um, so through doing stuff like tattoos and art, you know, people pay you in not cash but goods. I see. So. You know, I'm like, go to the store and get me three bags of coffee and, you know, cans of tuna or, you know, summer sausage, whatever. What There's only so much of that stuff you can fit in your sale. Stamps are another thing. Stamps are like general money because they hold value better than anything else. Stamp, the price of a stamp doesn't change in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to charge you what a stamp costs out here. And they're relatively easy to store. So you had a pop-up boutique. Yes, I did. (laughs) And I was all about that service, right? (laughs) Service with a smile. Yeah. So once you start getting to capacity where you can't really fit a lot of stuff in there there anymore, naturally I have to, like, get rid of it. So I'm like, hey, you want, you know, goods that you don't have money to go to commissary Mm -hmm. because you have a hustle yourself. You can come get it from me. If you can't trade me straight up, then I'm like, well, uh, when you go to the store next week, you know, I'll give you a thing of Kool-Aid if you can bring me back two next week. Or instead of two Kool-Aids, maybe I'll say, uh, give me three stamps with this when you bring it back. You know? I'm thinking this is a way to get some of this stuff out of my sale. Well, in all actuality, it just ballooned my inventory because now people are bringing back double, triple, you know, 
three for ones, two for ones, all types of stuff. That's a lot. <laughs> so I had to pay, I had to pay my neighbor in the cell next door to put stuff in his cell. <laughs> so in a way, that was his hustle, which was housing my second store, you know? That's the kind of hustle I want, where I don't have to do anything other than just keep some stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so casually, somebody like... Once again, it reminds me of like a drug house outside, out here, because your neighbors are like, there's just so many people coming and going, you know? <laughs> people just walk up like, hey man, let me get a box of Debbie's. Like, cool, two for one? Yeah, I got you, yeah, you know? Oh, let me get, you know, anything, box of soap powder. Like, all right, it's understood there's a cost with it. And so that was me. <laughs> Interesting. And for the people that couldn't afford like a two for one or something like that, coffee is a big thing. Tobacco used to be a big thing in Ohio. I don't know if they still do it elsewhere, but it used to be like, I'll go and buy a pack of cigarettes. I'll, I'll sell you one cigarette, you know, for mm -hmm. X amount. Or I'll sell you what we call a shot. I'll sell you one shot of coffee for X amount. And that's probably like still the most common uh, store transaction is like let me buy a single soup let me buy a shot of coffee let me buy you know just a single use of something right so on the special access side i talked about you know working in the chow hall working in the quartermaster also administration jobs so like if you're an inmate that works for the sergeant the lieutenant the warden you like there's a there's a bit of power that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Like if I want my bed moved, I'm not going to talk to the sergeant about give me a bed move because they're going to ask me a whole bunch of questions and then they might say no still. I don't want them in my business. I'm going to go to the inmate that works for the sergeant. And like, hey, yo, what does it cost to get, you know, my best friend in my cell? Right. Because he's like, I don't care why you want it. You know, do you got the money for it? <laughs> 20 bucks. Cool. Yeah, I got you. How you want it so you kind of sell your job assignment and the access that you get you know there's selling opportunity you have uh, an allotment of things that you're allowed to have there's a limit on everything okay um, you can only buy one pair of shoes per year you can only buy you know one clothes box or or food box you know where your family sends you stuff like that and they're usually from vendors, so they're, they're kind of tracked. But if you've already gotten your allotment of food boxes, because that's the big thing, it's like you don't want to eat from chow and then commissary doesn't provide enough options so you can order from this outside vendor, you know, all this super exclusive stuff. Well, I don't have the money to use my allotment. For a fee, I'll let you use my allotment. Mm -hmm. You can have your family order it in my name, and, you know, or even if... Let's say you have child support and you have court fines and right. you have all these things. Right. If you put money on your own account, they're going to take it. I don't have court costs and fines. I don't have child support. I'll let you put money on my books for a fee. Yeah. So there's all types of loopholes. You know, you sell that opportunity. Interesting. Yeah. And then sometimes you sell your connection to the outside world. Like, if I have family and people out there that'll do stuff for me, and you don't, you don't have money in your phone, I'll sell you a phone call. Oh, I'll have my family swing by your family's house, you know, for a fee. 
<laughs> so there's, there's there's plenty of ways. Like I said, man, however creative you can get, however you can think outside the box, there's no limit to ways you can make money. Mm-hmm. But so to this point, <laughs> we've only talked about like positive ways. But there's a million negative ways you can also think outside the box. Well, I mean, for every pro, there's a con, right? So. Yes, we are talking about prison. And so everybody in prison is not a good person that's just doing time, you know? Yeah. I, I do like to highlight that there are a lot of good people in there, but there are some bad ones. Um, and those people are just as creative, man. Well, and I think... People are going to turn to things that have worked for them in the past. Yes. And if the only ways that I've known how to make money are negative ways, I'm probably going to default to that, right? Because that's that's what I know. And past experiences shape yeah. how we move forward in the world. So. And you got the community of people that you knew from outside, people you right. got in trouble with previously. Yeah. And so those minds come together and they're like, hey, listen. Right. So we can a, do X, Y, and Z. A negative way may not be born out of being a bad person, but more so just I've never had an opportunity to do something else. Like, this is all I know, and this is what I'm going to default to. I don't think that's everybody, right? But I don't think we can generalize and say every negative thing is based out of um, being bad. Right. So, so um, for the negatives, it gets pretty – like, this – if you thought the positives were interesting, then, you know, this is TV drama right here. This is where it gets super interesting because you're like, oh, my gosh, they do what in prison? Yeah. Like, yeah. So money is scarce. you got to find a way to survive, right? Mm-hmm. And like the cliche old adage goes, man, only the strong survive. <laughs> and so... Some of the negative ways you make money in prison is theft. Mm-hmm. Somebody else got it and you don't. I'll just take theirs. Right. Um, extortion. Um, and I've seen people get really creative with extortion. Or like they've written letters to people's loved ones. You know, they've mm-hmm. somehow got the address and they've written letters to disguise themselves as a friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, they went to the hole and they wanted me to reach out. They wanted me to do X, Y, and Z. Send me some money. Yeah. You know, so they get the Manipulating money. Manipulating feelings, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I, of course, somebody's here for my loved one. I'm going to buy into that, right? Like, how am I supposed to know that's a scam? Right. So. It's not like you can pick up the phone and call your loved one in right? prison. Right. You can't just check in and be like, hey, is this legitimate that the, that same access doesn't exist? Yeah. So um, I've seen, like I said, extortion through direct or indirect means. Um, I've seen hits. <laughs> people put hits out on people in prison. Whether it's, uh, not when I say hits, I don't mean like killing people. Yeah. You know, that's like the extreme. I was going to say, I think people would default to be like, like a hit, like a hit job, like a murder. Uh, no, no, man. But, um. You know, when you got a disagreement with somebody and you can't get to them, you're like, hey, man, beat them up on the softball field. Like, if they go to a different prison than you and you know somebody there, like, that is a real thing. And it costs money. Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of unfortunate that people do stuff like that, but it happens. So, you know, touching on some of these negative things, man, I really don't want to just highlight that or end it on that note. So I'm going to circle back around to something we talked about earlier, which was, you know, the whole start of this episode was budgeting, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really always have the money or the means to get what you need. And if you do have the opportunity to ever get what you want, something that's entertainment or whatever, um, you really have to, like, take care of it. You know, you really have to cherish it. And so there are certain things you can buy in there, like... um, you know, whether it be like one of those little handheld all-in-one video games you could plug into your TV or a TV itself, something that is taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you get little 13-inch personal TVs to have in your cell or at your bed. You have to take care of it, right? Right. There's no, like, place to repair these things, no legitimate place to repair these things. Mm-hmm. So usually you just have to buy a new one, and that's not always an option. So... My favorite people in prison are the people who fix things because they are the most ingenuitive, industrious people ever. Right, because you don't just have a screwdriver to (laughs) fix. So if you're talking about thinking outside of the box, it gets no better than these people here. Yeah. And um, they're very respected like they don't those are the people who don't have to worry about ever getting anything stolen from them or like like the whole community the whole block respects them enough to protect them free of charge and um, a specific incident happened one time that I can remember where the guards you know the special response team they come in and do shakedowns routinely to search for contraband and they went to that person's sale the guy who fixed everything and of course, his cell is full of contraband. <laughs> There's all these things in his cell that don't belong to him, so yeah. that right there is contraband. Uh, he has all these things that, like tools that he made to be able to fix stuff. He made his own screwdrivers, you know, he made his own whatever tool he needed. You Amazing. Know? He harvested all these parts from like junk. So if you threw your TV away, it was busted. Oh, well, let me get the speakers out of it. Oh, let me get the buttons off of it. Like this dude was the master of thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. And so in this particular incident, they took everything. Now, usually, a lot of times, even the staff will understand and they'll leave them alone. But in this instance, the staff member was from a different prison and he came and he threw all this stuff away. He confiscated all these fans, TVs, uh, video games, radios, whatever. He took all of it. And it was almost a riot. (laughs) Um, It got so scary so quick because every inmate in the block stood up and told the captain, like, hey, listen, give that shit back or or it's about to hit the fan. Wow. To where the captain told the guy, like, give that shit back. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Because, you know, I can't afford to buy a new $200 TV. Right. You know? They don't even sell this radio anymore. And right. this guy was able to fix it with, like, random parts. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, I mean, I get that it's contraband, right? But it's not like he was using anything for a malicious purpose. He was just trying to be the handyman. Right. <laughs> so why wouldn't you want to keep that 
civility, I guess. So I'm glad that the captain listened. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. But I just wanted to use that as an example of like, one, it's a hustle. You know, this guy went from being an ordinary person to a guy that was a staple of every institution. They're everywhere. They're in every institution, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so he ate off of it. That's what he used to feed himself. But also, like, he impacted so many other inmates' lives in a positive way because right. he was a viable option to keep what you have and not have to spend a fortune to replace it. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up our episode today. It's, a, it's a kind of just a positive, and it just, again, shows the true innovation that exists within incarcerated spaces. For sure, for sure, man. And I'm going to continue to stand on, you know, saying that some of the most genuine people, you know, some of the smartest people, some of the most creative people that I've ever met were inside of prison. And I would feel bad just letting them be forgotten. Yeah, it's good to shout them out. For sure, man. Um, and I've been in contact with some people that um, I was in on the inside with that held some of these positions and also some people that are still currently in there. So I will be having them on the show in the future, in the near future. So look forward to that. And it's not just me telling my own stories, but other people who have different perspectives and different experiences also sharing theirs. Yeah, so it's amplifying highlight really the voices that. that deserve to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, you know, thanks again for tuning in. We really appreciate you and the opportunities for uh, giving you guys the inside perspective. Catch you next time. Catch you next time. <laughs>